Hey everyone, you are listening to episode number 39 of the Elysium Project podcast, Conscious Breathing with Brandon Grant. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. Established in 2018, our mission at Elysium Project is to leave the planet and its society in better condition than we found it. Please be sure to visit us online at www.elysiumproject.tv where you can find links to all our social media and our soon-to-come fair trade marketplace, blog, and more. Today, I'm speaking with Brandon Grant. Brandon is passionate about conscious living, meditation, and breathwork, among many other things, and the author of 111 Contemplations for Living a Successful and Conscious Life, which can be found on Amazon.com. He is also hosting a breathwork ceremony if you happen to live in the Calgary area and are listening to this podcast in time. It will be held on December 18th of 2021, and you can contact him through his Instagram, Brandon underscore underscore Grant. Brandon, welcome to the Elysium Project podcast. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. Nice to be here with you. Absolutely. I'm really happy to have you today. I think we're going to have a good conversation. We were talking a little bit beforehand, trying to figure out where we're going to take this. You are a man of many interests, I would say. And uh, I think we share a lot in common on many of the, uh, the interests that we do have. One of the things I think we share in common is an interest in breath work. And we were talking beforehand that's one of the uh, one of the tools that you've found really helpful along your journey. I'm curious a little bit more on that. Where what started that journey? Where when did you discover breath work and and how does that benefit you? And in terms of helping other people, giving to others, you talked about serving others before before this podcast, and that breath work is a big part of how you feel you've been able to, to give that gift. Yeah, that's a passion of mine and has become a passion of mine. From the first experience I had of it, I felt how powerful it was. And it's just like, there's no external substance or uh, anything external, external to yourself and how much it shifted my perspective. My God gave me clarity on life each time I did it. Hmm. Um, changed my life. I'm going to say even from the first few times and it continued to, I had a bit of a remembering of this, this past weekend when I helped the friend, uh, I'm going to say served a friend, not helped a friend. I, <laughs> I prefer not to. Uh, That's a good word. Serve. People. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and I could see it almost uh, reminded me of how I felt the first time I tried it. And uh, she asked, she's like, this can be addicting, can't it? And I was like, yeah, like it's when you're changing your life and when you're getting clarity on your life and it's happening like this quickly in like an hour of doing breath work. And uh, it's, I don't know if addiction's the word I would use, but anything in life can be addicting, Mm -hmm. even something within ourselves like breath. If we're any, in any moment, we may label our experience as good or bad versus just being present with it and we we label everything and judge everything in this world as good or bad people objects everything 
And when we lab started labeling our experiences good or bad, well, if it's bad, we want it to be good. So we're going to change our experience to make it good. We may use something like alcohol or drugs or food or TV or whatever else to make our experience good. And in some cases, it may be necessary to make it bearable. Mm -hmm. Even with something like breathwork, you're using breathwork to change your experience. So there may be a piece of you who is always doing breathwork when you're not, not feeling that you're, com you're comfortable with your experience or your, your experience is not good. You're using breathwork to adjust that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I've even, I've even heard some other people talk about breath work and say that, you know, when people are addicted to smoking cigarettes, it's actually part of that. There's obviously the nicotine aspect, but there's a part of that that's uh, sort of attached to that breathing of the, the slow intake draw and then the exhale. And when they're helping people get off smoking, they incorporate a certain amount of breath work just to you know, get them in that rhythm of the deep breathing that, that is calming their nervous system without the use of the, the nicotine or substance. That it's a very good insight. <laughs> I, at some point after I started breath work, I think I was riding the bus and I saw someone smoking and I was like, I was reflecting on what you just shared. And I was like, wow, you, you, you meet people like a lot of people who smoke don't actually get cancer and they're actually like they're they're healthy besides like obviously the smoking's probably not good mm -hmm. but they're giving themselves that break in the day to go breathe in a sense and they're breathing smoke into their lungs but they're they're giving yeah. themselves a chance to breathe and to step away from whatever may be stressful where someone who doesn't smoke may just stay in that stressful situation and never give themselves a break from their eight-hour workday and then so obviously, suggesting people take up smoking here of course but <laughs> well and then then you if you give yourself a third option you could go outside and take a 15 minute break and breathe or walk right. or do a meditation or whatever else you don't have to be inhaling the smoke yeah yeah it's it's so true i think you know a lot of us don't take that time and we end up getting addicted to smoking or whatever it is you know he talks about these other substances but um i haven't done nearly as much breath work as you i don't think but i mean i've i've done enough to to know that it can definitely be an extremely powerful tool at changing changing your state yeah i there i feel like there's there's hundreds, thousands, millions of different ways to breathe. And I'm starting to become more and more aware of different breaths for different purposes. And even within that, let's say a million breaths that one person can breathe, you look at one person's breath versus the other, other versus another, it's always going to be different. And then even like the one common modality that I'll share, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or a group session is uh, conscious connected breathing, which is a modality that stems from work of Stan Groff, um, holotropic breathing and, uh, Sandra Ray and Leonard or who pioneered rebirthing. And the, the more common way that I'll facilitate this given the time and, uh, setting for it is usually an hour, give or take of this breathing experience. 
And people have a wide range of experiences, many of them being altered states of consciousness and everything within that, um, which may, may allow them to heal, um, heal or I could say recognize their wholeness, which feels a little more um, like you're trying to do something. When we come into this world, we come into this world with tension, like right from our birth experience, there's going to be some, some tension, some trauma that's experienced and that continues throughout our life, experiencing stresses, traumas that sometimes get stored in our system. And all these different breathing modalities are a way to integrate, uh, integrate that stored energy and have it released, allowing us, again, I'll say rec to recognize their wholeness and to feel feel whole uh, within, I, I mentioned, I, I'll usually facilitate it for an hour. Some of these, this same breath or different breaths, you can breathe for two minutes, three minutes versus having a cup of coffee. Or if you're feeling like you want a little extra energy and it can shift your, your state quite quickly. Uh, I would use a completely different breath. If you're going to breathe at night, not wanting to shift your energy into mm. increase energy um, but there's other breaths you can use too. I'm going to say, uh, to discharge your system or to, um, remove energy. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the holotropic breath work there is, is that your main focus or do you, do you incorporate, like you said there, you do, you do a lot of different types of breathing for different situations. Uh, the, what I share is similar to holotropic, uh, even my, my teacher, I would say his, his expertise that a lot of people come to him for specifically is his experience with trauma. Mm. And so that's rubbed off on me a bit and how I share it, I would say. And then I have different experiences too, that have, I would say, filled out the way I share my breath work, um, trips to India, learning different pranayama breathing techniques in India. Uh, but for, for many people, if they experience what I'm sharing and experienced holotropic, they would potentially say it's the same breathing modality or someone more experienced might notice the subtle differences. Mm -hmm. And for our listeners, what, what exactly are we talking about here when we're saying holotropic? This particular breath is you're breathing through your mouth. And I'll say besides breathing through your mouth, not the nose, there's three, uh, I would say three key pieces. The first key piece is you're actively inhaling. So with each inhale, you're, I'm going to say inviting life in and doing a little bit of work to bring that breath in. Hmm. The exhale is passive. So with the passive, you're, you're not doing work. You're just letting the breath fall out. You're letting go of resistance, relaxing. And the biggest piece within most of us is you're letting go of control, uh, surrendering. The, the biggest piece I look at is the exhale and resistances within the exhale. Our breath says everything about our life and our mind. And uh, I would say, I would argue to say every single person on this planet has some resistance in the exhale, but that resistance is going to look different. And so a big part of breath work is I'm going to say, uh, guiding people to let go of control. 
and their control towards themselves, towards life, towards others, everything. And then the third piece is taking out the pauses. So you take out the pause between the inhale and the exhale. You take out the pause between the exhale and the inhale, creating a cyclic breath. And with time, that'll take over potentially breathing you. And with that cyclic breath and it taking over breathing you, you're holding patterns that are always there holding, I'm going to say, holding us together, holding our shit together, uh, start to let go. And with that letting go, that material starts to come to the surface. And that's the opportunity to complete that cycle of integrating it that, I don't know, maybe when we were four years old, or maybe it was last week, something happened where an animal, when they go into fight or flight, they'll flap their wings and release the energy afterwards. Mm. A kid, a young kid may be able to throw a temper tantrum and then be laughing and playing a couple minutes later. We let, we forget that ability almost. And so through this experience, you may throw that temper tantrum or you may cry or laugh or scream or whatever else comes up and you may relive that experience. Uh, I can often be blissful and, and sometimes not and integrate uh, whatever that experience was that wasn't integrated initially. And it may not come with visions or an understanding of what's being integrated. It may, may you may just leave with something being integrated and that stored energy being released. Mm-hmm. So what does that holotropic breathwork kind of look like? I know we're limited here. We're on the podcast. We're not going to do like a, a full demonstration, but yep. you said it's uh, sort of cyclical. Yeah. yeah I'll expand. Uh, thank you for bringing me back to the question. So to repeat, the three key pieces of the breath are active inhale, taking out the pause, uh, passive exhale, coming back to the inhale. So as you breathe that way, you could do it sitting for longer periods. I uh, recommend length so that people are Mm. relaxed. Yeah. And you're going to breathe in that fashion. And at some point, your system's going to take over uh, regulating, I'm going to say, the breath for you. At the beginning, you're going to breathe more at a medium to fast pace, medium to fast pace potentially, but it could be slow depending on the person. Uh, to give you an example, someone who's used to working really hard, um, I'll even say myself in the past, one of the most powerful experiences I had, I was guided to slowing down my breath. Mm. And you can imagine for someone who is used to like working really hard and I'm like trying to breathe really fast and get somewhere, slowing down my my breath actually brought a lot up for me and allowed my holding patterns to let go more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so people are going to lay down on a mat, breathe for an hour, and there's going to be a number of experiences that transpire through that. There'll be integration afterwards. Uh, There's a bit of preparation before you go into the experience, including setting an intention, which is very key. Afterwards, the integration, the main waves are going to happen during the breathwork session. And then it could take, there's always any of these experiences and anything we experience in life, there's subtler waves that come afterwards. Mm-hmm. And the group experience is very different than one-on-one. One-on-one is going to be more personal and you're going to get a lot more focus and attention from the facilitator, whether it's myself or someone else. In a group setting, you're carried more, I'm going to say, by the energy around you, um, which is a different form of I'm going to say energy that carries you versus the intention of a facilitator but um, 
very different experiences, but I would say both of them are very, very powerful in different ways. And I would recommend to anyone who's interested in uh, conscious connected breathing to experience it one-on-one -on -one and to experience it in a group and see what they prefer. And I think there's a time and place for both. Mm -hmm. Where does this sort of style of breath work fit in with something like Wim Hof, who obviously has become quite the sensation over the past number of years and uh yeah i'm curious how this compares to that i i've explored wim hof's work for i'm gonna say like i don't know five or six years now off and on i've i've dove it more into the cold therapy side of it than his breathing mm -hmm. uh his breathing i've played with a little bit it's i would say it's different it's a different breath some people misunderstand it believing that there's a lot of control in what he's doing and I can understand how people see control and what he's guiding with the breath and even cold therapy, but at subtler levels, and I've heard him speak to this, he's actually not guiding control. It's a misunderstanding that the way like words are symbols, it's very easy, especially with something like that for someone to take it the wrong way and take it as like, he's, he's telling me to control my breath or control my experience of being in cold. And he's actually, there's like underneath it all, it's actually a letting go and being, mm -hmm being comfortable being in the cold without controlling it or being comfortable with your breath without controlling it. Uh, as far as the breath itself, I, um, the physio physiology and technical aspects of it, I can't speak too clearly. Um, I'm taking a course potentially in a few weeks, actually, that will go through a number of these breaths and we're looking at the physio physiology and technical aspects of exactly what's happening with these different breaths. Um, but what I can say is like a lot of them, they create an experience and it may create a peak experience just like the breath I offer. And that's where people may look at them as very similar. And that mm. peak experience is very powerful. It, it similar to like a mystical peak experience, I'll say where it can change someone's life. But a peak experience is often taking someone out of their window of tolerance and it's not actually integrative. The, the life-changing aspect creates people to look at their life and potentially change their life. But at a physical level where your trauma is stored and energetically, you may not be, if you keep creating these peak experiences without integrating, it's not going to be beneficial uh, in some cases. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny as well. I know that for substances, when, you know, people often go to go to raves or whatnot and they take MDMA, um, obviously again, same as smoking, there's the, the physical or the chemical side of things where the MDMA is certainly affecting them, but also their breathing changes into a very, you know, high and shallow state, which, which, definitely contributes to the feelings, the ecstatic feelings that people are having during those experiences. Yeah. And like a shallow breath, um, depending if it's fast and shallow or slow and shallow, but I think in a lot of those cases, it's fast and shallow mm -hmm. is similar to the way you're going to breathe. If you're re-experiencing trauma. Mm. So as much as we're, Many people, although it's like we're, we're addicted to suffering, we're addicted to our patterns, we're addicted to being 
um, to change and experiencing, I'm going to say, exciting things often. We may, we may turn on the news to something that is not beneficial for our system, not going to keep us calm and relaxed. It's going to make us excited. And we get addicted to like this, when we look at our phones or whatever else, it's creating excitement for us. The same thing is often happening in um, experiences and like what you just referenced with like drugs and people leading to a fast, shallow breath, let's say. And that may feel, uh, that may feel comfortable because that's what we're used to. And it also may not be beneficial in, uh, like if we do say have trauma that we want to integrate. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So one one more note on that, even so the way Stan Groff created holotropic breathing, he looked at the way people were breathing on psychedelics. He's like, well, Mm. can we reverse this? And can we, can we create this effect by just, uh, creating the breath first. So he started leading people to breathe the way that he saw people were breathing on psychedelics. And so Mm. without the drug, people were recreating the same experiences as they were with psychedelics. So the breath is a huge part of the experiences people have on drugs. Yeah. That's, that's really fascinating. I'm, I'm curious for, we've, you talked about earlier, there's, there's different types of breathing for, different situations like if you if you're wanting to calm down at night say versus you know energizing yourself during the day what are some of the different techniques that we can maybe share with people on this podcast for for day-to-day living so let's say they want to they want to go outside and have a few breaths let to calm down versus versus trying to trying to like really energize themselves i know when i do i haven't necessarily i don't think done the holotropic breathing but i've done some wim hof and it really chart can charge you up the first recommendation i would have is and this is how i learn actually about some of these breaths is like if you're curious about what a fast shallow breath does besides what i've just shared try try breathing (laughs) fast and shallow just on your own somewhere where you can be really uh really conscious and aware of what's happening try it for a minute And you'll start to notice. And uh, if you want to, like on the flip side of that breath, particularly, I would say, okay, after the fast, shallow breath, try slow, shallow breath. And they are very, very different. So shallow breathing isn't necessarily like good or bad, but it's going to create a different experience. Like fast, shallow, particularly, I would say that's going to lead you to altered states, potentially more than anything else. And that's not beyond... um, the conscious connected breathing that I share is more of a, a deeper breath. So it's not shallow, but if you really wanted to lead someone to an altered state, if you shift it to a shallow breath versus a deep breath, uh, and you can, even from what you shared about people on drugs, you can imagine that that's going to shift their, their state mm-hmm. into an altered state into a holotropic or a psychedelic state. Um, the slow shallow breath is a very calming breath. So, Versus breathing, I would say deep and shallow, which can also be calming, but it takes a little more intention, I would say. If you're laying in bed, I would say try a shallow, shallow, slow breath. And you may start with a deep, slow breath, but make it take away the depth and make it shallower and shallower. 
and just notice how your system calms and how you kind of almost lose energy and you're going to want to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, the main kind of breath work I I've done over the years is just sort of, usually I inhale, I think for a count of five, exhale for seven and hold for eight and just r- really slow it down. Um, like I say, I haven't per se done the, the holotropic, but I've done some Wim Hof and similar breathwork techniques and, and they, they can be obviously, as we say, quite intense, you know, you start, you start, your hands are shaking and you're just like, what is going on here? I'm just, I'm just breathing oxygen, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and what you described as the five, seven, eight pattern, mm-hmm. uh, that is similar to what I described with the, um, instead of shallow and slow, like, uh, slow with more of a depth to it. So if you breathe deep and slow, that's the breath. I would recommend that for someone who wants to calm down, but it's not like bedtime. So you want to calm down or relax, but you don't want to fall asleep. Right. And, and then it, uh, deep and, um, fast. And it doesn't have to be fast, but I would say just a deep breath without, without intentionally making it slow. Uh, that's going to be more what I've shared before. And I shared it through your, the mouth, but you can do all these breaths through the nose. And I would recommend it's natural. Like our species, we started breathing through the nose and that's shifted with stress and a number of other things to breathing through our mouth. Besides doing an hour of conscious connected breathing, which has a particular intention, my recommendation is to breathe through your nose with most of these breathing practices and throughout the day. And And with all of that too, like beyond taking two minutes here and there, pay attention to your breath. When you're walking down the street, wherever you are, try to check in with your breath as much as possible until it becomes almost second nature that whatever you're doing, you're, there's a piece or part of you that's subtly aware of your breath in the background. And Mm -hmm. so when you're sitting, like when we're having this conversation, you're aware, like, is your breath going into your chest or is it going into your stomach? Right. And if it's going into your chest and you imagine like someone breathing into their chest and shoulders, which is still something that I'm letting go of from all the years of um, pushing myself, <laughs> it, it comes with anxiety right? versus breathing into your stomach comes with like a relaxing, uh, nurturing feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask uh, as far as everyday breathing, walk sort of walking down the street or just sitting in a chair doing your work, what, what sort of patterns or, or, uh, techniques can we utilize to breathe i guess more correctly so to speak <laughs> well i don't know i don't know if i have much to share on the correct way to breathe <laughs> but even what i was referencing about and that's where i i don't like to say there's a normal way to breathe and i don't even like to say there's like natural uh possibly but none of us breathe naturally we all came into this world with tension and some level of trauma and it continues. Um, like we continue to integrate it if we're working on it, but we also continue to be exposed to life and stresses. And uh, so what I was saying about like the way species and humans breathed uh, many years ago and um, which would be more of a natural way of breathing is through your nose, mm. unless you're intentionally breathing through your mouth for a purpose. Right. So I would say to breathe through your nose. 
sorry to interrupt there. What you, you did say earlier though, with the breathing technique that you do breathe through your mouth, correct? Yes. Yeah. So what is connected breathing technique? You're using your mouth. Okay. So what is the purpose of that versus as you say, normally breathing through your nose? Uh, to sum it up, it's creating an experience. But, and then I've shared about a number of pieces of that experience. Uh, even letting go of your holding pattern, it's, you, get, well, you get more breath in through your mouth. That's mm. one piece of it. Okay. You also can, I find it uh, easier to breathe in a connected fashion, taking out those pauses through your mouth. Right. Okay. And Makes sense. I think it's like that for most people, but I, I've experimented with my nose and you can breathe in a cyclic fashion, but I find it, it's not quite the same as our mouth. And then when you go into fight or flight, you shift to your mouth to get more breath in. Mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing in this experience, getting more breath. In, and that's where you're, you're, you're letting go of your holding patterns. You're letting all that material to come to the surface. So you, but the main thing is you're creating a particular experience here uh, that is, uh, has the capacity to integrate, to allow you to recognize your wholeness. Also, it's not the way you want to breathe all the time. Right. Well, I know for me, one of the most powerful ways that I can change my state is through through exercise. And I wonder how much of that, if not all of that, is simply due to it charging up my my breathing and getting in those those deep breaths when you know doing doing cardio and whatnot. There's definitely a correlation there. And I've I've thought a lot about the correlation. I've read a bit about it. I've explored it on my own, like let's say doing a workout, um, not necessarily not paying attention to my breath, but just breathing how I want to breathe. And then I've done workouts where I like literally I'm doing breath work while I'm resting between sets. And, you know, I wouldn't say there's too much difference. There's, there's subtle differences, but you, you're breathing so much, like whatever you're doing, like if you tune into when you do the set or when you go for a run or whatever else, you have to breathe and you have to breathe more. So you are getting that like oxygenation effect. And I've, I'm not a big runner. I I ran when I was younger, you hear about uh, runners high and especially when people run for a period of time and that breath that people start, the way people start to breathe when they run for a period of time is more fully and deeply, which is the same as conscious connected breathing. In a lot of cases, it seems like, like, I don't know how runners specifically, like someone who's a very high level runner, I think they would potentially be trying to breathe through their nose, but I would say less advanced runners are often breathing through their mouth. Um, mm. But whether you're breathing through your mouth or a nose, you're going to be getting in so much oxygen that you're going to get that runner's high. Yeah. Fascinating. So we've talked a lot about breath work here. As I say, you're a man of many interests. I think you've, you've, you've definitely, you know, traveled around and done a lot of experiences in terms of self growth and, and discovering, look, looking into the soul, so to speak. Can you share more about some of your, your experiences and, you know, in addition to breath work, what are some of the other modalities that you've found that have really sort of helped you take life to the next level, so to speak? I, there was a period of time when I was really seeking, 
I feel like I've kind of let that go a bit. I'm a little nicer to myself these days. I'm, you could say I'm a recovering perfectionist, including, <laughs> including on the path of looking to improve and grow. Yeah. And there's, there's a question. I know I'm kind of sidetracking here. There's a question that I've been asking myself a lot lately. And it's, if there is nothing to improve, what would I do? Like, what would I do today? What would I do tomorrow? And there's like, there's a relief that comes from it. I'm like, oh, I don't need to, I don't need to read this book unless I want to read this book. I don't have to do this unless I want to do this. And I may do the same things, but there's not a pressure from myself. There's not that inner critic um, telling me what to do. (laughs) Going back, I've explored, like there is, uh, I'm going to say about five to six years ago when I, really shifted in life realizing that money and this search like I shared briefly with you earlier but just to share with the audience like I I worked as an engineer I got my CFA shortly after I got into investing in real estate I had the intention to go work on Wall Street and I realized Mm -hmm. at one point I'm like okay so I got to where I wanted to be I'm financially free I have plenty of money Um, I have this job that I wanted everything else and I'm not happy I'm like, what am I missing here? And that's what started, got me to start looking at other things. I started reading a book called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. <laughs> it's funny, as you were saying that, I was just thinking that like, this is, this is like that book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I started reading this book and which like was already shifting my mind. I'm like, is, do people actually live like this? And I'm like, is this something I should consider like exploring? And like a few years before, if I came across this, I would have just, there would have been too much resistance, um, especially for my ego. And I would have just been like, no, like this is, um, this is insane. Like, why would someone live like this? And, but I started like considering this. And then three days later, my mom got diagnosed with terminal cancer, which those mm-hmm. couple of things paired together at like this, like perfect timing, like rocked my world and got me to start looking for every other possible way to live other than how I was currently living. So that led to like reading every book I could get my hands on specifically on happiness to start with. And then more like with time, it led more to like mindfulness to spirituality. I got into meditating, which led to breath work. Um, Around that same time, I started getting into plant medicine. And, and in that period too, like I explored like Tibetan Buddhism and all these modalities. Like, I feel like there's, the world's kind of separated into like the West and then the East and India kind of being like unique part of the East with like more yoga versus I'm going to say like Buddhism being slightly different um, lineage. And then like the South, like South America, Central America, where it's more like plant medicine and a different form of the way they practice their spirituality, but basically exploring every everything in the world that I could get my hands on to do with (laughs) how to live and and then more once I realized I'm like okay I was I can live differently than I have been and potentially be happier which to me now it's happiness is linked to the mind and like good versus bad like and there's attachment to good and there's aversion to bad versus living in a state of joy which comes from your I'm going to say like energy in a higher place than our mind. And so it led from trying to be happy, 
happier to spirituality and realizing like energy and how my state is from moment to moment. And essentially now just looking to be present in life and enjoy without, without having attachments, um, forming non-attachment relationships with everything from like possessions to relationships to uh, life itself. And, and that has been more difficult than <laughs> it sounds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it's funny there with the monk who sold his Ferrari. Um, I think a lot of people walk a similar path, you know, we're seeking satisfaction and whether it be material goods or, or whatever it is. And ultimately we find, you know, we're, cha- we're chasing something that we can't, can't quite, can't quite grasp. And it leads us down, down this uh, different path. Um, other than the, the breath work though, what do you include in your, your day-to-day practice these days that you find is, is really helps ground you and, uh, and keep you, keep you going? For a while I had, I'm going to say morning routine and a night routine, and I was mm. quite rigid <laughs> and there's still, I still, I have, I have these practices that I do some of them every day. Um, many of them, many day, which include like right when I get out of bed, the first thing I do is, um, I'm going to say, I set my intention for the day, which is a number of words that I repeat to myself and have memorized. And I connect to, I'm going to say like my higher self, as I'm saying these words very intentionally, then I do an energetic alignment on myself quickly, like for a couple of minutes, just tuning into my energy. I have a number of affirmations on my mirror that I read about um, myself, uh, relationships with others, uh, prosperity, my body and health and work. I, I do, uh, I meditate for a period of time until I feel like my mind is relaxed. I'm going to say, I do a breathwork practice. That's about an hour or so every morning. I move my body in some way. And that may look like yoga. It may look like it may, it may only be five to 10 minutes. It may be as long as I'm going to say an hour, but most days it's more in the like 10, 20 minute mark, just getting my body moving, mainly moving my spine in the directions that it moves to keep it healthy. And I have a lot of time compared to most people. I'm going to say, as far as like, I don't have anything that I need to do most days, but every day I'm intentional with doing the things I want to do. And that's where I don't, some days I skip parts that I just shared, depending on if I, uh, have somewhere to be or something that I, that comes up or, or if I, if I don't feel like meditating, I'm not going to meditate. If I don't feel like moving my body, which these, these are rarely the case. Like it's rarely the case. I don't want to calm my mind. It's rarely the case that I don't want to move my body. And then I won't move my body. There's mm-hmm. days that like, I, I often let, I'm going to say work out four to five days a week, but there's some weeks where it's just like, this is doing more. This is, Mm-hmm. Um, this is harmful for my body. My something needs rest here. And yeah. where in the past I would have pushed myself being like, no, you, you need to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't go to the gym today, like, are you going to go to the gym tomorrow? And, and there's, I 
feel like there's a balance to be made between um, sometimes like for some people, the inner critic is almost necessary to get someone off the couch. But once you've developed, I'm going to say some discipline and some, um, I would say more than discipline and developed uh, the ability to be aware and to be present and to be conscious of like moment to moment, um, the inner critic is not necessary. And I feel, I feel foolish almost even saying that the inner critic would ever be necessary because with those other pieces, it becomes very, um, it's very possible to flow with life and to make your decisions on what is constructive and beneficial for your life without pushing yourself to do everything that even if it feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So our mission statement here at Elysium Project is to leave the planet and its society in better condition than we found it. And you've mentioned a number of modalities that maybe serve others. If you had to pick one of those to, that would, would help people on an individual level and collective to, to make this world a better place, what would it be? Can I share two? Absolutely. Share two. I, three I love want. that idea, um, <laughs> what you. you're sharing. And the obvious one that I'm going to share, and that's why I asked if I could share two, is breathwork. Right. Uh, the one that's going to be a little new to the audience, um, but I think kind of ties into what I've been sharing on is uh, being present. And mm. through that presence, like we have a focus, we have a focus of our attention in every moment and focusing your attention uh, in that present moment. And I feel like there's three, uh, three constructive places to focus your intention, focusing on your breath. So in any moment you can be aware of your breath and you can focus on your breath. And I feel like that's a very beneficial place to have your attention. The second is focusing on your heart. And with that, focusing on love, gratitude, and the actions you want to bring into this world coming from a place of love, coming from a place of being grateful. The third is the mind. And with that, observing the mind. And beyond that, everything that comes into our life, it's we, we're often looking at the effects and I'm going to say like the mind is the cause. So what thoughts are going through your mind? Are those the thoughts that you want to be going through your mind? Are those the, the cause that you want to lead to whatever effect and what is that effect going to be? So really tuning into the cause, the mind, what thoughts are happening and being deliberate with those thoughts that again, manifestation is as simple as cause and effect. And that's starting in your mind and coming out into actions coming out into form and just to tie that up like i find it's like very easy to focus like so you have your focus you have your presence and then you have three places you have your your breath your heart or your mind to focus your attention in any moment beautiful i love that so we, we were going to, we discussed possibly doing some breath work on this podcast, but it's, it's kind of hard on just an audio podcast. I think it would end up sounding more like a hurricane than, than a podcast. <laughs> so we're going to skip that for today, but it, for our listeners who want to want to learn more about this, maybe reach out to you. Where can they find you online? 
The only uh, social media platform I use is uh, Instagram. So Instagram would be the best place to reach me. Uh, my Instagram is Brandon underscore underscore Grant. Okay. Do you do you have a website or? I don't have a website. No. Okay. And okay. You do have you do have a book though. Do you not? I do have a book. Okay. And I'm happy. I forget about that at times. I released a book a couple of years ago called Become the Best You Today. 111 contemplations for living a successful and conscious life that can be found. So on my Instagram, on the bio page, there's a link to it, or you can just go onto Insta or onto Amazon and search for it on amazon.ca, amazon.com or any of their um, anywhere in the world and search under my name. It should come up or the title of the book become the best you today. It should be enough to find it. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate you coming on sharing your wisdom, your insights, uh, beautiful words. So thank you very much, Brandon, for joining us today on the Elysium Project Podcast. And maybe in the future, we talked about how we're going to have a TV series coming out on YouTube. I think at that point, we could maybe do some breath work and demonstrate it in a more effective fashion than, than through, a, through a podcast. So, Thanks. It was a pleasure to have this conversation. And I'm very open to any, any ideas you have for the future, uh, both being in Calgary too, if um, there's people you know who want to uh, experience breathwork together in some way, I'd be happy to. Uh, be yeah, absolutely. We were, we were mentioning that before the podcast, if people want to reach out to us and if there's enough interest, I know this is, um, to be honest, the Calgary audience is really just a very small portion of the, the audience that is downloading the podcast. Um, but if there are people who are local and want to uh, do some sort of workshop with Brandon, we could definitely make that happen here. Lastly, thank you for your vision and for making this happen. I appreciate what you're sharing with the world. Thank you so much, Brandon. Well, it's, we're, we're all in this together. This is, this is absolutely a, a project for all of us. And I'm really excited to see where it's going to go over the, in the coming years. All right. Thanks again, friend. Much love, everyone. And thank you for listening today. Remember to visit us online at www.elysiumproject.tv, where you can find links to all our social media and our soon-to-come fair trade marketplace, blog, and more. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.